0: to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Welcome
1: to the Pharmacy Podcast Network's coverage of the NACDS Total Store Expo 2023, recording live from San Diego with Innovators in National and Microchain Pharmacy. We want to thank NasoCleanse and Order Insight for sponsoring the post-show coverage of the conference this year. And now, here's part one of our three-part series with our host, CEO and
2: founder of the PPN, Todd Yuri. It's time to converge through podcasting.
3: It's NACDS 2023. We're at the Total Store Expo here in San Diego. We're in the Babson Diagnostics booth. They have been an absolute wonderful partner of ours with the NACDS. And our first guest to kick off this post-show is Lori Schaefer with Digital Wave Technologies. Lori, I am thrilled to have you here. Welcome to San Diego.
4: Thanks so much. It's great to be here. I'm enjoying enjoying the entire conference.
3: Is this your first NACDS?
4: This is my first NACDS in this life of this business life. I've been at NACDS in prior business lives.
3: (laughs) It's funny because then when you come as a new entity, it's kind of like a rebirth of you being part of it because maybe you kind of start changing up which, uh, which... organizations that you're kind of working with. Absolutely,
4: <laughs> absolutely, but I, w- I have to say this is a great show. I'm very pro-NACDS for bringing the right people together.
3: I am as well. Um, we're excited that you're here because anytime we hear the word artificial intelligence in the world of pharmacy and pharmacists, yes. it gets me triggered, it gets me excited. Uh, when I say triggered, I mean positive triggered, not negative triggered, just to get that out for the listeners.
4: Well, the opportunity <laughs> is massive.
3: So talk Tell us first, how did you get involved with Digital Wave Technology? Tell our listeners a little bit about this company.
4: Sure, um, Digital Wave Technology. I'm the CEO of the company. It is a technology company, and we focus on organizing all the data in large companies, whether it be pharmaceutical, whether it be healthcare, whether it be consumer goods or retail. Those are the four sectors we focus on, and basically anything to do right now with sales and marketing data, we started um, really collecting all the master data, if you will, for, for your products, whether it be B2B, you know, selling medications, whether it behind the counter, over the counter, or also um, in-store. And so my background is um, Procter & Gamble, I started at, and um, did a bit in the, you know, the over-the-counter type uh, medications, cough and cold, and um, went into brand management there. But I always had a mathematics background, and was always, even in, in college, was focused on how operations research, which was what AI was called back then, but um, would could help companies like Procter and Gamble and like at the time, um, large retailers and you know and large um, pharmaceutical companies. Fast forward to Digital Wave. Um, Uh, Started Digital Wave, again, to collect all of the data and to apply um, AI to it, and the reason I'm at the conference is that we had a um, panel on generative AI, which is where Digital Wave is now very focused. It's the hottest technology going, and we work with companies like McKesson uh, as an example, um, some large consumer goods company, and large retailers.
3: Okay. what I think of when I when I try to demystify artificial <laughs> intelligence, I immediately start thinking of massive amounts of data. Yes. That, that let's pretend a, a specialty, rare disease, state um, pharmacy is is tracking. How does everybody feel um, on day nine of a of an oncology drug or something? Or what's the what's happening in their cells at the time? We're collecting data. Collecting data. So in my imagination, AI in the future with more of that data will be able to start predicting how someone might feel as close to as possible as them and the individual so that they can start tailoring future possibly medications, treatment modalities, titration schedules. Can you kind of talk to us about your vision of where this can go and what this could do for for healthcare?
4: Sure. I mean, again, healthcare is very broad. Um, My past life was actually... uh, Running a division of SAS, which is the largest analytics company in the world, and we did a lot with pharma and with um, drug companies on developing drugs and really understanding, you know, the how to literally look at the efficacy of the drug, and then, as you said, really understanding in each day how the patient data core, you know, correlated with mm-hmm. the drugs, um, and that AI has you know, has been around, but only the very largest companies were using it, and it was very costly, you know, large, large systems. Now um, it is much more um, out in the hands of everyone, and now what is very unique is with generative AI, it's really able to now t- put things into human English. Okay. And I think um, from a patient standpoint, I can go through a number of use cases that would really help patients.
3: Yeah, let's let's jump into a specific disease state or disease case treatment case, where you know how it could it, where it could repeat the benefit over and over again for um, a, you know that bunch of patients suffering with that.
4: Sure. So, I mean, a, a number of the um, types of cancer that I think that um, it's been proven to work with is you know really looking at the. S- the symptoms, the um, experience of the patient as they go through perhaps drug trials. And we're talking, you know, millions of data points. Mm -hmm. And it's able to literally in, um, you know, now it's down to seconds where it's able to come back and look at a large pool of patients and then be able to predict whether that patient is going to get that disease based on certain criteria or whether the patient while in, let's say, an experimental program, um, you know, how are they responding? And, you know, it's just basically think about just, as you said, billions of records of data Mm -hmm. that we're able to assimilate and, you know, come back in a matter of minutes.
3: So let me now ask my favorite question, which is always drives back to how we know our pharmacist roles are expanding. They're becoming specialists in disease state management. Um, we, I know so many oncology pharmacists who are now getting very specific to what type of cancer it is, whether it be skin cancer, breast cancer, ovi- ovarian cancer, mm-hmm. whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But so imagine this technology in the hands of one of those specialty pharmacists who get to navigate You know, as we move on in treatment. That's number one. Number two, the trust that our pharmacists bring to the table as providers yes. in comparison to others, mix that into to what outcomes that could have with regards to the relationships between um, patient, pharmacist, and physician teams.
4: Yeah, great question. Um, so I think one of the things now, as you said, the pharmacist um, is often who's more in front of the consumer with the disease you know than the specialty um, physicians right yep. and so from that standpoint uh, when you think about you know you go into your local pharmacy and rather than just dispensing the medication with the paperwork that is pretty generic I hate to say it but mm-hmm. in any pharmacy right now you know you get that you know that generic <laughs> yeah. uh, document that you have to, you know, put a magnifying glass up to to read. And, you know, let's face it, 90 X percent of patients have no understanding whatsoever about what's on that. And so from a standpoint, as pharmacists are getting busier and busier, um, what generative AI can do is very quickly, in a matter of seconds, take that medical report, for example, put it into plain English... And, you know, even if the pharmacist can't meet with the patient, there are ways through a kiosk, the patient can ask questions about that specific disease, um, or in plain English, right? Mm-hmm. Or they can give the patient where they're at and where they're progressing in language that the patient can relate to. And mm-hmm. I think that's a large it's a big problem in healthcare right now. How many patients don't take their medication or they don't under, most of them don't understand. Exactly what they really have. And the pharmacist can have that one on one relationship with a personalized um, explanation.
3: Excellent. Excellent. Well, Laurie, I'm thrilled that you got to be part of our post show. Um, This is a great snapshot. I know our listeners are going to want more information. If you are listening, you're driving, you're jogging, don't worry about it. We're going to have it in the show notes digitalwave.ai. What an amazing um, w- uh, web address, by the way. Uh, digitalwave.ai. Lori, um, promise that you'll come back and give us updates on the on the Pharmacy Podcast's uh, weekly show. We call it TWERKS, which stands for uh, This Week in Pharmacy.
4: Fantastic. I, l- I look forward to it, Todd. Thanks Thank so you, much. Lori. All right. Have a great rest of the show.
3: you know one of the aspects of coming to the NACDS Total Store Expo we're here in San Diego is when i well if you had if you asked me to sum it up elevator elevator pe- pitches it's about innovation that's what i want i want people on our show that is about innovation in healthcare making differences in people's lives i have pano anthos on with xrc ventures You are an investor in exactly that, innovation with the patient, with the consumer in mind. Pano, thanks for being here.
5: It's great to be here, Todd. Thank you.
3: All right, so is this your first, second, third NACDS? I've lost
5: track. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I think we started coming in 16 through 19, uh, maybe even 20, and then backed off uh, obviously with COVID. Everybody did.
3: Yep. And what I'm seeing is changes in focus, lots of focus on tech, Lots of focus on behavioral health, mental health. You are a organization that wants to look out what's gonna happen, where is it gonna happen, how's it gonna impact our consumers, and you're putting your chips and your bets on point of care testing which got me excited because of our show on the network called Pock Talk. Mm-hmm. Uh, shout out to Tara Schneider. Dr. Tara Schneider is actually going to be taking that show over. So you're going to have to meet her. Sure. Um, I'm going to inter- introduce you. But give our listeners um, background on, on XRC Ventures, as well as what you're, what you're concentrating on now on point of care
5: testing. Sure. Um, so we're a venture fund. We started out in 2015, uh, late 2015, investing in really, really early stage startups, like First Money two kids in a garage mm. kind of thing, uh, big bets, crazy bets, things that would work, things that might not work. But if they failed, it wouldn't be a big loss compared to say a private equity deal or something yeah. like that. So we um, we looked at the landscape and felt back then that retail was heading for a cliff and we couldn't predict COVID nor should we, right? It's yeah. not a good thing to predict. But in fact, we've seen a massive disruption in the whole retail category. At the same time, we saw a massive disruption in, cons- in the consumer behavior models Right, so we saw this with e-commerce kind of rolling up into the 2000s. Mm-hmm. We, saw, we saw it with what COVID did in terms of how people work, eat, sleep, everything. And the third piece of that puzzle was we saw people, how people behave and how they thought about themselves. Our number one premise is that time is the most valuable commodity <laughs> yeah. on the face of the earth. True. And so anything that gives consumer back their time is something that's precious and worth investing in. Yep. Now, sometimes you can be directly attributable to a time factor, other times you can't. Why we love point of care so much, home testing, is because it's, it's a time factor, mm-hmm. right? I'll give you a little story, a couple, a couple of them that really come to mind immediately. So, um, the um, if you're a cancer patient, you have to go in to a lab, get tested for your blood, and then they decide whether or not that you can get your treatment at that moment in time. Yep. A lot of, the rejection rate is very, very high. People have to go back home and wait. It is, it's depressing, mm-hmm. it's it is. time consuming, it's awkward, right? So what if you could actually do your hemoglobin count tests from home? Yep, makes sense. It changes everything, and it's also good for the consumer. It's not just, it's not an operational, although it's operational impacts. it's also good for the consumer. So we think that, so we've invested in a bunch of technologies that are really about kind of accelerating point of care to the home. We have three, we believe that healthcare is evolving into three kind of levels of model. You've got the doctor's office. That's getting blown up,
4: Mm -hmm.
5: right? You've got the retailer who's taking over more and more of the kind of first point of care kind of in-office facilities, and there's tons of them out there, right? Whether it's physical retail, like a CVS running something, or it's these local, you know, urgent care centers. The point is, is you don't have to go to a doctor's office anymore in mm-hmm. traditional. But what we're most excited about is the home as the focus and the lens of care. And we're not talking about surgeries or anything crazy. We're talking right. about diagnostics and first order testing that could be incredibly valuable and preventive, as well as therapeutics. So we're, you know, at the same time we're doing testing, we're also got this technology that literally uses artificial intelligence. It watches your physical movements as you're <laughs> doing your therapies. Wow communicates them back to the orthopedist, so you've got real-time feedback loops as to how that patient's doing. It's incredible. I, you know, I just had my Achilles ruptured two years ago. It was a nightmare. Forget the, the repair process was fine. It was like over in seconds. But the therapeutics, the therapies took forever, and it was always like, how do you feel? Well, can you move your, and I'm holding my iPhone up, trying to show them that I can move my, <laughs> you know, my leg three centimeters, or whatever it was. All I'm now done on a computer. Picks up all my movements, behavior. You know, sees it, and the orthopedist gets real-time data, and they don't have to—they don't have to interact with me. Mean, they, of course, they want to. Yep. All right, so that's the style. So the third one I'll, I'll share with you is a. Um, so telemedicine's been around for a while. Yep, it's incredibly exactly. time-consuming.
3: It is. Right. It is to set it up and to do it right. Exactly. And to make and to sure show on up the on right time. platform. Exactly, <laughs> and that
5: you're on the right time. Right. What if you could text message a request? Right for dermatology, primary care, whatever, you know. And actually, you'd have doctors certified all over the country picking up the request, processing the request and the script, and drop shipping your script right to your door, you know, in hours. Mm -hmm. Now, so there's a company that's doing it, it's one of ours, what if, right? (laughs) (laughs) Um, No surprise. But the doctors are making $900 an hour doing this. Jeez. Because they don't have to travel to an office. Mm-hmm. They don't have to sit there and sit behind a desk. They don't have to sit there and fill out paperwork. They're yep. doing what they're meant to do, which is diagnose, prescribe, comfort, whatever the factor yep. is. So it's time. It's all around the time factor. It's not just the consumer saving a ton of time. It's a doctor saving time and not having to deal with the, the, you know, the issues of a physical infrastructure.
3: Yep. Anyway, so, there's a start. so the, the shift mm-hmm. in community pharmacy and the ones yep. there's 19,000 privately uh, private owned pharmacies out there yep. as well as the micro chains as well as some of the grocery stores right. are starting to realize that we know that groceries you can order them online mm-hmm. and someone will deliver it to your home mm-hmm. all right that is now being extended into pharmacy and medication management care that's right where they have devices in the home that's that right. do pit, uh, package dispensing yep. when you rip it off it's at the right time at the right moment. They know that you've taken it because of the monitoring of that. Um, I think that combined with point-of-care testing can open up some additional doors for our community pharmacies to do a lot of follow-up and interconnection Absolutely, with their people that are
5: shut in yeah. at home. And, or, or and, can't leave. and one of our startups uh, is in the digital pharmacy automation space for independent pharmacies. And we were first like, oh, come on, how many are there? Oh, a lot, yeah. first of all, number one. Number right. two, they are becoming the primary point of interface for True. medical conditions because they want to talk to someone. That's right. You, you know, no offense to the CVS's and Walgreens. No, I know but, what you mean, exactly. Right, exactly, so they become now curators. They become, not doctors, but they're becoming really advisors to patients and they come back and they come back, but they don't have digital capabilities. So here we are helping these digital ph- pharmacies go online. <laughs> You'd think that by now that would be a different case, in, you know, but it's not, it's complicated, it's hard. Anyway, so yeah, so we're all over the map. Well, we have to have you back on POC Talk.
3: We have to have uh, Dr. Schneider um, sit down and talk with you and your team. Yep. want to go into disease state discussions and where uh, point of care testing in the home makes the most sense, as well as empowering our community pharmacy um, listeners uh, of, of knowing how can I build a business unit within my community pharmacy to really take advantage of point-of-care testing, as well as kind of the wrap around of what that means for outcome. And then also, I'd like you to come back and, and us get a, a Eagle or a Publix or a, some other, mm-hmm. you know, pharmacy organization that has the attention of the consumer, they have the trust of the consumer, and let's teach them through it being available at those accessible places, that it's not just always about Amazon per se, it's, it's more about that human touch.
5: Yeah, and look, it's being proven time and time again in the e-commerce world, in the non-pharmaceutical world, that Amazon doesn't win all the time. Right. But Amazon has a first-order kind of prioritization because yeah. that's the first place you go. Yeah, um, I do too. Right. I'm
3: just as guilty. I just know that if it's something healthcare related, exactly. I want someone to follow up with me that I right. trust that's in my community, Correct. and I have my doctors and my pharmacist and my nurses there, so why not, why not involve them? Right. <laughs> they wanna be involved. They they
5: wanna be a part of this. Right. Well and I, I would argue that some things as a consumer, some things are left on the shelves that really should still be curated. Yep. I'll give you an example, melatonin. I yeah. Exactly. I mean, how too many variations of melatonin are out there? That's very true. That's how many point. milligram counts? What should you be taking? What should not be taking? Everyone's kind of self-diagnosed. The, the kids now are not,
3: now we're finding out they should not be because it's a hormone. Exactly. We should not have them on, on
5: melatonin too right. much. <laughs> but do you know how much shelf space is taken up with melatonin at the, at the, the larger drugstores right now? I mean, like... Miles of shelf space. it's overwhelming.
3: And the consumer's very probably confused. That's why I think that pharmacists have got to keep the same with CBD, the same with cannabis, the same with nutrigenomics, and just anything and everything. I'm excited. Well, Pano, I I appreciate you being part of the post show at NECDS. But I have your card. I have your information. We got to get you back. Definitely. Thanks, Tom. You know who I ran into in San Diego, NACDS Total Store Expo 2023? Dr. David Pope. So good to see you. It's <laughs> So good to see you. It's been a minute. I thought I was gonna see you at NCPA this year and now you show up at NACDS, so that's good.
1: Oh, it's awesome, it's so good to see uh, all the, uh, the pharmacists out here again, just engaging in clinical service and again, everybody is just has that, that innovation mindset. Yep. Um, and it's what you and I talked about just a couple of years ago, right? Oh we were talking Lord. about diabetes and, yep. and heart health education programs and how to engage and now we're seeing
3: pharmacists really do it. You were kind of ahead of the curve though, to tell you the truth. I mean, I remember when you were talking about wellness before that was really kind of a thing or a healthcare destination. So how did you evolve into a role with Omnisys? Yeah, so uh, first of all, I think that you were doing the same,
1: right? You were the innovator in the podcast space. Absolutely,
3: first podcast about our profession, 2009
1: it's amazing. And just to see Nobody the, listened. Uh, the journey. That's right. My dad and my, I think my <laughs> mom and my brother might've listened, <laughs> but look where it is now. Right. And I would say it was the same thing. So we started a, uh, a, a, technology, you know, in our basement back in the day, right. And grew that and recognized that, uh, that pharmacists just needed to get paid for these clinical services. Yes. And so we were acquired in 2019 by Omnisys. Omnisys is the national leader, the U S national leader in medical billing and claims, Excellent. right? So we uh, we smashed the two together. Now you can, in your own workflow, be able to bill for a clinical service and know that you can get paid for that service for this patient, and what does it cost, right? Yep. Because that, that that ability to be able to say, you are eligible for this service here, it's difficult. That's not the way
3: medical claims work, but we try to make it easy to be a clinical pharmacist. So. Is, I remember when I entered pharmacy, it was ICD-9, and then they moved, of course, to ICD-10. Is it a CPT thing, or is it an ICD-10 thing? Like, what, how are we billing? Yeah, so uh,
1: you have pharmacy claims, and you have medical claims. Medical claims uh, are not real-time, right? And, but they do use things like CPT codes and ICD-10 codes, mm-hmm. just things that describe the event, right? Okay. And I think that the difference is now is that within pharmacy... The claims are more complex than they used to be. Now pharmacists are actually billing office visits. I can truly say, because we get to see across the country, uh, again, over half of all pharmacies in the country use this system, right? And so we're seeing now pharmacists are billing for office visits. Okay. And so underneath that, you have these other claims, like a one, maybe two, maybe even three different tests just for test to treat alone. And so now, again, it's so because of that complexity, your documentation has to reveal your claim. So it's important that you stay inside your workflow for all the revenue cycle stuff, right? Right. It doesn't matter what pharmacy management system you use. Uh, submit that claim. There's medical necessity that you need, documentation. But then that documentation has to reveal
3: your claim. And that comes in the form of things like CPT and ICD-10. Okay. Counts. All right. So here's my imagination running ahead of me. Home care is exploding. And pharmacy, community pharmacy, is the best way to get to these people in the homes because, sure enough, they, before they were less mobile, they were going to their community pharmacist and they trust their community pharmacist. So... I look at someone literally showing up at the home setting up some remote patient monitoring tech setting up a um, device like um like a Spencer health device where it dispenses the meds uh, setting up some maybe cameras just so everybody knows where you know where things are if you have a question for telemedicine and then executing pulling the lever and having community pharmacies be able to deliver more home care services in 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 keeping the patient from getting lost hmm. or becoming over medicated. But tell me, what do you think the future of of pharmacy in the in the community space is, including this where we are today, the the, the micro chains in using technology to get deeper into the home. That's a great point. And what we're seeing here
1: at NACDS is there's a lot of innovation happening in that. We know that there's a race to the front door, to be the front door of healthcare, right? Um, And again, some of that includes bringing on physicians or physician's assistants and nurse practitioners and the like underneath the umbrella. But it also comes down to, I need technology that now can reach to the patient. And again, now that is more accessible than ever. And so for us to be able to do that now becomes more of a reimbursement thing because we know that pharmacists are willing, we know that pharmacists are able, we know that technology exists to be able to monitor, be able to connect, be able to receive information in that regards. So now it just comes down to reimbursement. Mm-hmm. And uh, while we're seeing pharmacists getting paid for those office visits now, again, it's it's moving forward and plans are beginning to allow pharmacists into the network. That's the first step, okay. because you need pharmacists to be able to get credentialed and contracted. And then at that point, you can start to move towards this idea of remote patient monitoring. Okay. Until then, uh, again, I think it remains cash-based, mm-hmm. right? And a value-based care specifically. And that doesn't mean that that's a small market. Pharmacies. Can absolutely connect with payers today, and those payers again—you can imagine—and just the way that you just described it was really eloquent. Because at the end of the day, we know that if you—the cost of not doing that—is a ma- is yeah, massive, exactly. right? So for our uh, plans and payers to be able to say that, uh, again, that they're going to do this, they don't actually have to be able to say, okay, we're going to get pharmacists credentialed and contracted and pay with them with an ICD-10 or a CPT code. They can do that through value-based care just the same.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: I think of CPSN and what they're building uh, nationwide. Mm. Uh, shout out to my Pennsylvania CPSN and um, uh, Dr. Antonopoulos. He's a oh. rock star. I just love that guy. Always has been. I met him in, uh, in college. I met him when he was a pharmacy student, too. He yeah. wore my RX-rated RX shirt, like with pride. <laughs> so uh, I love it. Shout out to you. Uh,
0: That's right. The Iron Brent Man himself. And- yeah, that's exactly,
3: great. the guy. I'm so excited you got to be part of the show. It was impromptu. I pulled you off the showroom floor. We're here at Babson, which is exciting, by the way. Mm. Blood testing in the community pharmacies. Um, that That's coming. It, it can't come fast enough. I don't know if they're through the whole um, uh, double back with uh, FDA yet, but they're almost mm. there. Yeah, this is amazing. So uh, I will say
1: that Omnisys, back in 2019... Uh, was um, also was acquired by a company called XIFIN. X-I-F-I-N. They do what we do in the medical space. They just do this for labs, right? Okay. So this thesis of lab and pharmacy coming together has to be true in yep. order for us to be able to affect healthcare in that way. For example, the majority of, of decisions and clinical decision-making for prescribing that pharmacists will do has to involve a lab test of yep. some kind. It's not just the tabletop test. It's also just like a liver function test. So companies like Babson, and others that make a big difference there, right? Because it it's a, a rate-limiting step for pharmacy. We believe in that so much that we're trying to bring lab and pharmacy together, uh, revenue cycle management, uh, clinical documentation, patient
3: communication and engagement. All of that is now coming underneath a single roof. Yeah, we have a new show called POC Talk, Point of Care Testing Talk, that's going to be ran by uh, Ter- Dr. Tara Schneider and uh, Kristen, mm-hmm. Dr. Kristen Talent. They're both kind of co-hosting different facets of how do you grow your uh, point-of-care testing business Mm -hmm. and what does that mean afterwards. So to do the test, that's great. Take this test home, do it, hemoglobin ongoing but what's it mean, what, where's the data coming back to? Who gets the data and who gets to react to the data? And I think pharmacists need to be able to react to that.
1: The well, end. and yeah, you're exactly right. And we're seeing that today. So the reason why pharmacists are now beginning to bill for office visits is because it's not just because of the assessment, but I now have to make a decision. Now, many of those decisions for point-of-care testing, if you're looking at infectious disease versus chronic disease, let's go back to infectious disease, at that point, it's usually a board protocol, right? Mm-hmm. Again, but that pharmacist has to make that decision. And so that data is coming back in. Same thing with a test, for example, a liver function test or a kidney function test. I can't prescribe until I get that test back, right? And yeah. I can see normal values. And so what we're starting to see is pharmacists saying, look, I actually, I, I'm going to start to order that
3: test, right? Yeah. And you have companies that are out there today that are allowing you to be able to do so. Exactly. David Pope, Omnisys. It was wonderful having you on the Post Show. Thank you.
1: Yeah. Oh, thanks for having me. Hopefully it won't be next so long next time, right? get <laughs> to see get each other.
3: <laughs> All right. at the NACDS 2023 Total Store Expo, and I got an opportunity to schedule in Dr. Michael Hogue, um, CEO of the APHA. I'm so glad you're here, Michael. It's it's a pleasure to see you.
0: Todd, thanks for having me. It's good to be here.
3: Absolutely. So I was just telling you, uh, we, we've mixed up several interviews today with technology providers, um, association leaders like Steve Anderson with the NACDS, And what I'm noticing is there is um, a surge for unity in in the transformation of our industry and how pharmacists are doing so much more than what they used to be. But more importantly, they're starting to get paid for it, as well as the technology that's backing them up. So I want you to, as the new CEO, uh, and by the way, congratulations um, on your appointment, um, tell us... um, your your thoughts and excitement around what's happening in our pharmacy industry and and why you're part of uh, the NACDs's uh, presentation and, and program here um, in San Diego
0: well <clears throat> thanks Todd you know um, APHA is the oldest pharmacy association in America founded in 1852 um, and <laughs> And, um, you know, pharmacies undergone the same kind of experience and specialization that most professions go through over time. If you look at the profession of medicine, uh, physicians have become more and more highly specialized over time. There's now well over 200 uh, specialty organizations in medicine. and. Um, you know, I expect that trend's going to keep happening in pharmacy, but what needs to happen in pharmacy and what I'm very intent and focused on is how do we partner with each other? You know, the our national pharmacy associations, despite what some people think, are not in competition with each other. Uh, I talk uh, every week with uh, other pharmacy association executives and, and I'm encouraged by the fact that we are all unified to move pharmacy forward and all of us are working together to try to get pharmacy's message out there. Specialty pharmacy associations are primarily responsible for bringing people together around a specialty and sharing information and professional networking. APHA's unique spot in Pharmacy Association is we're the voice of pharmacists and we advocate on behalf of all 340,000 pharmacists, 39,000 pharmacy students, uh, all 400,000 pharmacy technicians and 25,000 pharmaceutical scientists. I mean, we're going to advocate for everybody. And and we need pharmacists to join us, we need pharmacists to be a part of that message and to and to come together. And you know, we're we're really excited about the partnerships that we've had with NACDS and a lot of people say, well, aren't you just getting in bed with the chain drugstores and pharmacy working conditions are not always the best and so forth and Here's, here's my message, you know, it, it doesn't do anyone any good to just simply point fingers and yell at each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, we, yes, we all have something different we could do and we have better that we could do. It does make a lot of sense to sit down at a table together. And discuss what we have in common yep. and where we can actually make a difference and change the trajectory of our profession. And I think I think Steve and I are in agreement on that, that we've yep. gotta we've gotta to work together to solve the big problems in pharmacy. We're never gonna get anywhere if all we do is yell at each other and yes. so so I I really feel like the you know bringing us together is my purpose and I think it's why I was brought on board a APHA was to was to help you unify unite and organize the profession uh, together so that we can speak as one voice
3: well you are absolutely correct um, Steve's on the show uh, everyone will hear his voice towards uh, the end of our series but that's exactly what he said he said working with the other associations especially on common ground and his two common grounds were PBM reform, number one. Number two, uh, provider status. Yeah, absolutely. So why not work and, that together?
0: Yeah, and exactly. And you know what I'd like to just remind everybody about on the provider status issue is that's language that we use inside the profession of pharmacy. What this really boils down to is consumer access to the care services of their pharmacists not just a pharmacist but all of their pharmacists and that's how our system has changed so dramatically. It used to be that the only pharmacist that a patient has was the one at the corner drugstore but in today's world you interact with pharmacists at the corner drugstore, you might have an MTM pharmacist that you interact with telephonically, you might have an ambulatory care pharmacist that you deal with in your doctor's office, you might have a uh, pharmacist, three or four pharmacists, one in the ER, one in the ICU, and another one in the, uh, uh, that works as a hospitalist pharmacist, yep. and you know, the reality is, is that we need to make sure that consumers have access to pharmacists at every point of care where they need a pharmacist, and that's the message we're trying to get through. So yes, to pharmacists, it's provider status. But to consumers, it's ensuring that we have good access to health care no matter where people try to access health care. And, and that's the message that we're trying to get through to Congress, to state legislatures, to help them understand maintaining that access through uh, good laws and regulations that provide pharmacist access or patients access to pharmacists is really critical.
3: That's excellent. Excellent. I want to give a shout out to Robert Hodges on your team. I love working with him um, in your communications and marketing team. I see changes in APHA over the last five years that have just been so exciting, accelerating. We've been part of the APHA 2021, 2022, and 2023, I think. Is it 2023 already? Yep. It is. And, uh, And we're gonna be back for definitely 2024. Just so excited about Lockdown Pharmacy your dedication to education through podcasting you do some ce through podcasting now I absolutely love it. I'm there for it and I just want to thank you and your team yeah, for everything absolutely. that you're doing as well as the partnership with our small publication.
0: No, it's great. You guys are fantastic to work with and and Rob is a rock star and he, he he's got a he's got a team of people supporting him at APHA that are fantastic. You know, pharmacy has a wonderful story to tell. We have got such an amazing story as a profession to tell. And you know, despite the challenges we face, we've got a very, very bright future. And and I'm just grateful to you and all of the folks in communications who do a better job at helping us get that story out because it's a story worth hearing and a story worth telling.
3: I'm proud to podcast it and proud of pharmacists and what you're doing. A shout out to our pharmacy technicians and they're the right hands of our pharmacists. And I think, like you said, I'm a half glass full kind of guy and I see a different pharmacy in two to five years from now where we're really empowering um, our pharmacists and we won't have the um, bottlenecks of care that we've had uh, in previous years.
0: I totally agree with you. Great opportunities in front of us. And, uh, you know, I, pharmacists, uh, listening to this podcast, I just have to tell you that, you uh, You know, I've worked as an independent pharmacist, I've worked as a chain pharmacist, I've I've worked in health system pharmacy and uh, ambulatory care clinics, I've worked in public health clinics, I've worked in home health care. You know, I I have over my 30 year career have had a lot of experiences in pharmacy and I've seen the challenges and I've experienced those challenges firsthand. So So, I know that it's not an easy time right now, but I, I like to remind everybody that you know we got into this profession for the right reasons, mm-hmm. and just like diamonds are produced under pressure with coal That's a good point. We, we have the, we have the potential if we will just you know just press on yep. uh, a brighter day is coming, something better is coming. We must just keep the faith and keep our fo- self focused on the goal that we're headed toward. And I think that 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 goal with uh, provider status uh, and, and financial models that lead to better staffing and better opportunities, uh, it, it's just a really bright future. So hang in. Uh, APHA is there for you. We hear you. We see you. And we're working hard for you every day.
3: Thank you, Dr. David. Um, Pope was here talking to us Um he is amazing. He thinks that same way where clinical is kind of leading the the, the charge. Um, I see so many pharmacists out of our buying groups, out of our wholesalers, all kind of going to that same uh, additional factor of what pharmacy is doing for public health and wellness. So you are on... Um, on target as you as you as you always have been through the APHA and you personally as well as the association so like I said we're we're proud to have you as part of the NACDS post show thank you so much Michael thank you I can't believe it's been umpteen years however many that was that I have not had Breck Rice from ServeRx on the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Shame on me. Welcome to the show, finally, here at NACDS uh, Total Store Expo, Breck. Um, I'm, I'm so excited to be here with you right
2: now, and we finally did this. Yeah, finally. I, I've been a fan, you know. I'm getting to, to speak with the podfather himself, <laughs> and, uh, you know, many of your... Um, programs have had have had me on, and, and we've done interviews, but never with with you, Todd. So this is a lot of fun.
3: It is a lot of fun, but I trust people like you because you've been around, you've proven yourself, you're an advocate for our profession.
2: Tell us about ServeRx. Tell us about what you're doing. Yeah, I have been around a long time. Uh, it's actually my birthday today. I'm Happy really, birthday. really old. So <laughs> I have been around pharmacy for a really long time, uh, 20 over 20 years now. And, um, yeah, uh, so excited to be a part of, of ServarX. I, I am one of the co-founders there. Um, actually started back, uh, you know, 20 years ago was before even ServarX, but same industry was with the the grandfather of the third-party billing uh, industry, which was the third-party solutions program, so TPS. So that's where I got to, to learn about pharmacy, um, gain a love for pharmacy and, and, and the communities that they serve, and it was an amazing program. You know, everybody used the the TPS bin and PCN to help them with their workers' comp uh, processing, so it was a lot of fun for me to be a part of that. But then uh, they, private, private equity got involved, and they eventually, you know, needed to make a bunch of money, so mm-hmm. they sold the company. And... And uh, a big PBM was was who came in and bought it. Because think about it. We were funneling all of these, you know, first fill claims for workers' compensation in through this TPS program. And a PBM could could move those all into network and make millions and millions of dollars. So I didn't sign up for that. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I didn't want to go to the dark side. (laughs) (laughs) And so I I left uh, that organization. And... and, um, you know, after my my non compete uh, ran its course, then uh, we started the new and improved third party solutions. Uh, only we call it ServeRx. So mm-hmm. it's the same, same principles. Same, uh, in fact, the same chief architect helped us build our platform, and um, but with twenty year newer technology to work mm-hmm. with. So yeah, so that's what we've been doing for the last ten years now is is continuing to help pharmacies get a a fair reimbursement. And the best thing, Todd, is, is that the payers, like Liberty Mutual, Travelers, they don't pay any different. We, we bill at the state fee schedule. So whether a PBM is billing them or or ServRx is billing them, the payer pays the same. Self-insured employer pays the same amount. The big difference is we pass that amount on to our pharmacy partners okay. where the PBM pockets it. You know, they yep. put it in their own pocket
3: excellent so talk to me about integration with the pharmacy management systems out there is SirRx, uh,
2: API'd with all of the systems or main ones or how's that work yep yeah so we work with all the the platforms um, it, we're just another payer right so you just put our bin and PCN in and, and then the pharmacy can can use us and we do verify every single claim that comes in. And so we know if uh, if that claimant, that individual that's been injured, if they um, are a part of one of the PBM networks and if that pharmacy is contracted with them, we let the pharmacy know, hey, you have a contract with Optum or Express Scripts or uh, you know uh, CVS Health, you need to process that claim to to them. But you know the the beautiful thing about workers' Composite is an entitlement program. Um, and there's still about a third of those claims that are um, self-insured employer groups, so it doesn't all get funneled over to to the you know to the PBMs. Mm-hmm. There's still about you know 30 percent or more of workers' comp that we can process for the pharmacy at, at the fair reimbursement. And Todd, you know there, the third parties. There are other third parties out there, um, but I I can guarantee you. the the third parties that are out there have other programs. They either have a mail order fulfillment Mm -hmm. or they have their own PBM in most cases. ServerX is the only independent third party processor for workers' comp. We have no uh, PBM affiliation. We have no uh, uh, mail order fulfillment. We keep that patient coming back to that pharmacy. It's not in our best interest to to siphon them off and bring them into a mm-hmm. mail order fulfillment, so that's the real, true difference. That when I mean, when people hear that, they they're like, no, you're you're you know, we're only going to get the first fill, and then you're going to cut us back to no. We don't have a PBM, so you're good. if if we're reimbursing you ninety dollars for meloxicam, you're going to get that ninety dollars for all the refills. And what some of the other programs do is they may give a fair reimbursement for the first fill, for the initial fill, and then move it into their network, and now that $90 reimbursement turns into, you know, four twenty five. dollars So let's talk about the consumer front end um,
3: of education, for example. Does ServRx do something to educate our pharmacies, patients, and people in their community about this benefit
2: through the pharmacy? We do. Um, we uh, have a lot of outreach through social media, of course, and and uh, interviews like this Mm -hmm. um, to to make sure that that uh, you know that that patients are aware of the program because it it's not even a carded program so you're not you don't need to actually have some kind of a pharmacy card that you bring in um so they really like that because they quite often they forget the card you know it's it's a different card than their medical card that has the the commercial bin on it so workers comp is a separate program And so patients love that. Um, The doctors love it because the doctors who are writing the scripts, they hear, you know, horrible feedback from their patients that they went to the pharmacy and had to wait around for a day or two to be able to get their prescription because the pharmacy was having to verify it or, or, you know, check the eligibility. We allow our pharmacy partners to dispense uh, that very same day. So no hassle, no delays, no out-of-pocket expense to the patient. So patients love it, the doctors love it because of that, that no hassle. So
3: how's this conference been for ServeRX? Um, different temperament, different personality here than some of the other pharmacy conferences that you go to. Um, I went to 13 conferences last year and I'm not trying to break that record in 2023, <laughs> but tell us uh, tell us how this conference has been for you guys? Yeah,
2: yeah, this is a this is a good one for us. Um, you know, we're we're really good with um, you know with the independent pharmacies as well. So NCPA coming up mm-hmm. in October uh, will be as big for us as this conference is. You know, obviously focusing on the chains and many of the chains partner with us to do this this service but we, there's still a opportunity for growth there's still some that have really hung on to you know their the relationship they've had with the old you know the old uh, company that was was a great company and mm-hmm. but you know workers comp is only one percent of all their claims volume so it usually gets pushed to the back burner because there's all these other programs they have to to implement and, and roll out and, and so to, to make that simple change You know, can can take some time, but um, I think people are starting to to wake up to the point that that they understand, hey, there there truly is an opportunity here, because they'd literally have to fill you know 20 Medicare scripts, you know, 10-15 commercial plans to make up for one reimbursement they would get from us. Jeez. What excites you about
3: pharmacy right now, the profession of pharmacy? You've been around long enough to see things uh, going through massive transformation. I think we're in a golden age right now, which is the
2: reinvention of the pharmacist. So what excites you? Oh, man. I'm so glad you asked that because I I am so excited about the opportunity to bring more non-dispensing revenue mm, to the pharmacy. Exactly. It has Absolutely nothing to do with ServRx. You know, my, of course, that's my, my love to take care of these, these pharmacies and, and help them on the, the workers' comp side. But we have, we have partnered with some really great programs out there to help our uh, pharmacies bring in uh, new revenue that isn't dependent upon, you know, what they're going to get through insurance reimbursement or uh, get clawed back through DIR fees, Right. Yeah. So if you can bring in more cash or non-dispensing revenue, in fact, every pharmacy should really be focusing on trying to get about a third of their revenue. Um, our grocery store chains do well with that because they have everything else, right? right. The groceries um, and all the HBA and everything. But but uh, maybe, you know, the, the the smaller box stores or even the independents, man, they're still 90%. Ninety-one percent uh, is still dispensing revenue, and they've right. really got to get uh, much higher. Um, and so we've, we've, you know, we've looked at all these different programs. We get approached by a lot of people now that I've kind of putting on my consulting hat, right? Yeah. And so we're pretty picky about who we'll partner with, but there's there's some fantastic uh, things. We, we we host a, a roundtable, community pharmacy new revenue roundtable, where we tell. Uh, pharmacies about all of these I'll give you a sneak peek um, because the next one isn't until next Wednesday the 16th but in four weeks there will be a program that comes online for pharmacies Um, anyone's eligible to 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 get involved in this and it's for um, at-home testing Mm. now I didn't realize Todd that I I must live in a bubble because I didn't realize that there was such a need for this but according to the CDC one in five Americans is walking around with an STD. Mm. Let, let's just count the audience here: one, two, three, four. Okay, there's five people mm. right there. <laughs> one of yeah. them. No, I'm just, I'm right. just kidding. But yeah, it's Stats. it's it yeah it's a it's a pretty big issue. So what that's 20% of the, the country. What, what, somewhere around what is that 35 million people? Mm. I guess that would, that would be eligible for this. But it's so uh, discreet in being able for the patient to, to have that that test sent to him, kind of the HIMSS approach, where it comes in unmarked packaging. And the patient doesn't even have to interact with the pharmacist if they're embarrassed. Pharmacy just puts up uh, information, kind of a PSA, about it. The pharmacy's assigned a unique QR code. The patient simply scans the QR code, orders the test. The test is sent to their home privately. To, to, uh, you know, to get the sample, the mm-hmm. sample sent off to the lab. The pharmacy is getting a referral fee for every test ordered. This is mailbox money for wow. our pharmacies. That's incredible. Yeah, they're getting a, 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 a referral fee, and then once the tests come back, if it's positive and they need an antibiotic, that QR code sends knows where to send that, that prescription into the pharmacy. So now That's they're terrific. getting the prescription. Amazing. Starts in four weeks. Anyone can just contact me directly. Uh, uh, I don't even have the enrollment process yet. That's still being set up. Mm. But once we have that enrollment process in place, we let's go capture those, you know, however many it is, 35, <laughs> 65 million people, however many people it exactly. is. Exactly. Yeah.
3: Breck, this has been special that we finally were able to get together. I certainly hope this isn't our only podcast that we'll do together because I have lots of other things I'd like to talk to you about. We had a new show that we're kicking off called POC Talk, a Point of Care Testing Talk. Oh. So we're going to want uh, you on that show and bringing in um, your affiliate and your, your partner to really help infuse um, into podcasting knowledge to take next steps and in giving pharmacists and pharmacy owners and pharmacy operators education through podcasting and, and understanding how important it is to be creative and innovative in order to stay thriving and, and not just surviving. Absolutely.
2: That, that's the line I use. I must have <laughs> taken it from you. Thank you so much, Todd. Together RX. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> thank you so much, Breck. This has been great. Yeah, thank you. This is fun.